Between Two Friends with Brett Trembley is a podcast for entrepreneurs about current issues, topics, advice pertaining to their industry, and more times than not, life in general. In this episode, our guest is Peter Aris. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Between Two Friends. And I got to tell you, today I am extra excited to have a, a, I don't know if you're going to agree with me, Peter, but a Miami legend, especially in the hurricane sports world, somebody who's, who's pretty young and really made a name for himself. So if you're a fan of especially UM football, you know the name Peter Aris, and Peter's joining us today, and uh, got a lot of stuff to ask him. So Peter, welcome, man. I really appreciate you jumping on. Thank you, Brett. Appreciate you having me. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know if legend is the right word. Uh, I think some people may may think uh, a little differently, but <laughs> been, uh, you know, I've been pretty much involved with, you know, Miami Hurricanes related stuff since I was like, since I was young. Obviously, as most most of us are, you know, born and raised in Miami, growing up as Canes fans but just kind of like doing the reporting stuff when I was like 15 years old. So I, you know, I, I was in it pretty early in terms of like being close to the program and now kind of transitioning into what I've done now in the Asian world. It's been, it's been cool to still kind of stay connected to the school and the program and the fans and all that. So tell us about that. You're 15 years old and what did you do? I was a junior in Columbus and I had a kid named Dion Bush in, in, yeah. in my class. And I had always been you know, the first, I tell people that the first year I kind of followed like high school football and recruiting was like the the Ja'Cory Harris, Miami Northwestern teams, you know, with Sean Spence, Aldarius Johnson, Tommy Streeter. It's funny with that team, the one, you know, one of the guys in Miami didn't take was Levante David, who ended up, you know, having, having like the best career out of all of them. (laughs) Um, So that was like the first, you know, time I was, because seven of those guys were going to Miami, obviously. And that was when Randy Shannon had the number one class. So you know, I had, I would drive, I was, I was in seventh, eighth grade around that time, uh, believe it or not. And that's when I first like started hopping on message boards and, you know, seeing what message boards are about. And still to this day, right. A lot of the rumors originate on, even though there's Twitter stuff will be out on the message boards. Right. So um, just kind of as a fan on there, you know, my dad had been taking me out to high school games and all that because I just was interested and I couldn't drive yet, obviously. Fast forward a few years, I was in Columbus, had class with Dion Bush, who was a big recruit, um, you know, from Miami and Alabama and Auburn. And, and you know, I became pretty, pretty cool with him and just kind of being around not only him, but Columbus had a few other guys who, you know, Brandon Radcliffe was a, was a you know, pretty high profile running back at yeah. the time. Um, and you know, just the teams Columbus would play, I had access to being able to, you know, I would, I went to Columbus my, against Miami central when, uh, Joseph Yearby and Dalvin Cook were four sophomores. I want to say right. that James Coley actually offered Yearby that night for FSU. So not to get too long winded into kind of how I got there, but just being at the right place at the right time and loving it. I would go out of these high school camps every weekend to watch these kids who were being recruited by not only Miami, but schools across the country. and then. Basically, I transitioned from doing just the recruiting slash cane stuff to once I was on campus at Miami, you know, I went into the broadcast journalism program, um, which was a great experience and being able to be involved with like WVUM and the radio stuff there. You know, basically, when I came out of high school, um, partnered up with a guy uh, who was running Canes Insight, basically just was a forum website. It was message boards and he needed someone to produce content. And he said, hey, I'll, you know, pay you a few hundred bucks a month. Right. Obviously turned into something bigger where we became partners and, you know, we owned it together. Um, but that kind of then springboarded me through my college 
uh, not career, but my life, my my journalism career, at least in college, because I had I was there in, in on campus going to practice every day. You were the insider who was the outsider, right? Who people were a little bit envious of. Yeah, because the whole thing was like I would I would go to practice, but I wouldn't be like asking the players the same. Like I I didn't want to jump in the media scrum where everyone else was. So like. You know, and and listen, I, I have a lot of respect for the people who are in the traditional media world. A lot, you know, a lot of those people I still yeah. have great relationships with, and all that. I didn't really want to go down the same thing of being, you know, a newspaper reporter and sure. just following. Oh, I'm going to be a beat writer for this team. Obviously, I didn't do much else other than the Canes and the recruiting stuff. But you know, at that time, but th- I wanted to try to think like, how can I use the social media? And at that time, it was Twitter, which is what I kind of alluded to. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was kind of using as the the vessel, so to speak, to to provide this information that I was that I was putting out there. But then obviously using it to drive it to the website, which ended up like, you know, our numbers were very, very good because of the right. traffic that would get driven through the through the Twitter side. I think a lot of people in the traditional media maybe looked down on me because I was younger. So if I broke a story, a lot of times because I wasn't a traditional media member, they would feel like they didn't have to give me credit for the story. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. That was what I would take a lot of issue with. And I wouldn't be afraid to call people out for that. Yeah. No, I, right. I remember. So that's, I think that's what, you know, people kind of uh, rallied behind, so to speak. When I first got on campus, they didn't want to give me a credential. Well, that's, what's a little bit surprising to me. Yeah. They didn't, it was yeah. really like my first year on campus that they didn't want to give me a credential. And, right. and we had to go in there and I actually, it, it, it's funny because I think it was compliance was more concerned for, for some reason, because other media members were complaining that I had access to guys and they thought that I was getting info from talking to them. You realize that I have to go to class with these, with these guys every day. Like yeah. how stupid would I be if they told me something and I just ran and, and, and posted it all over the internet. And the next day I walk in there and it's like, Hey, I just told you that. Why would you have like, are you, are you serious? Why would you put that out there? So that was the reason I guess the, that the school didn't want to credential yeah. me at first is they, they were very um, secretive sure. and tried sure. to be tight lipped on, on stuff. It was a different operation at the time. I, you know, it, it's that had more to do with it than anything. We don't know who this guy is, but he's too close to the he's too close <laughs> to the operation for, right. for for him to be credentialed. So eventually, listen. What the the way that I ended up kind of convincing them was I was doing radio for WVUM. Okay. And they were credentialing me because I would call the basketball games, the baseball games. I did a couple of football games, but I, I really stuck to the baseball and basketball. And I told them, guys, I'm getting credentialed through you through the school already like you guys can't you can't not credential a guy who's in the broadcast journalism school at the end of the day you should want to like push one of your own students who's already like you know kind of has a name for himself in in a sense well listen you 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 forge your own path and and to me didn't break the rules you just created new rules and i I really respect the heck out of that because i appreciate that like in life there's people that get things done and then there's people that sit around and say well, I got to pay my dues for 30 years and is what it is. Um, so let's talk about the news that puts you on the national map. You tweet out, Mark Rick is going to be named the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. And that's the one that, you know, Bruce Feldman popped, you know, chimed in yeah. to give you credit. And people had to then come and say, as first reported by 
Peter East. People were like blowing my phone up that I had, you know, Bruce Feldman was a guy that was, I always looked up to in, in the reporting yeah. world. I thought he was like the standard in the college football world for sure. Obviously he, he wrote Kane Mutiny, which is uh, a great piece of literature, a great piece yeah. of American literature. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it, 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 that was, it was a cool thing. Cause it was like, you know, you don't, I'm not someone who needs a pat on the back, but a lot, a lot, the, the reporting life can get repetitive in a way like any job can. Right. But it, cause it's like yeah. the the players and the names change, but the, you know, a lot of the same type of stories. So like for that, it was kind of like, man, I started getting interview requests more right. from, you know, the national side. And even like five, that was when like no one else, they couldn't deny me anymore. 560 right. started to bring right. me on to do spots and, right. You know, I partnered up with Caneswear up in Davie um, and they, you know, they did that. We did the podcast thing together for a while. And that was a, that was a cool thing. I, you know, I wish I could tell you exactly like how I got that story. Um, I didn't ask, by just, the way. I didn't ask. No, I know. I know. I know. Because because I'm thinking about it now and I'm like, I don't even know. Because, man, when you're so into what you do, right, sometimes stuff just comes comes to you. Um, let me ask you about this. What is your secret to success? Because from from my vantage point, it seems like you're a workaholic. Like like you you work a lot, and then and then you're not afraid to make you know big moves. Look, do I do? Does everyone love being in the office? I don't. I think that if it was up to anyone, like that, you know, being in the office and working all the time wouldn't be what what it is. But like for me, the same. It was the same thing with with when I did the reporting. I loved. I always loved sports. I always knew this. I was going to be in sports, right? It's easy to say you you know. You got to love what you do. Um, but for me, it's like, and you, you can ask my, my girlfriend will tell you, I don't watch movies. I don't watch TV shows. I don't, not because, you know, people call me weird, but it's like, I don't have any interest in anything outside yeah. of what, what I'm doing, which is this, you know, this is football and sports, obviously, but my, my job is it's my life. So listen, I love to play golf. So like, I'm not always, you know, I'm, I'm not a complete uh, workaholic whenever I can get onto the golf course and do something like that. I, I love it. But like this job in particular, there's no off switch, you, you know, your client and you, you know, similar in, in your line of work as well. My, my dad's an attorney, so I see it. Okay. Um, he, you know, you don't, you, it's tough to get the off switch. You get a call from a client, you gotta be, you gotta be ready and you gotta yeah. be on point. Um, you gotta be passionate about it. So yeah. as, as far as what, what my, key to successes it's just i just got lucky enough to find something that i'm obsessed with let me let me keep pushing man because I, I like there's so many little things i want to ask you but we got to get to what you're doing now so Definitely. at a certain point um there was an announcement like i'm leaving you know yeah. inside and, and and i'm gonna go you know are you a sports agent? Are you about to be? Yeah. Do you do you, you know you work for first round management? Everybody can see the yeah. shirt. So I've been here since January or February 2018. Oh wow. Um right. yeah, so I've been here. So I've been here for a while. I, you know, I think what happened was my first year, I, I came in and I didn't really um I wasn't thinking, all right, I'm gonna just go be a certified agent. For me, it was just me kind of wanting to, to take the next step in my career where I felt like, okay being close to the action is cool with the athletes. Like yeah. I was, I, I got an up close view to a lot of stuff and, you know, stuff that happens behind the scenes. But for me, I wanted to be a part of the moves that were happening in their career. I, I, I was like, man, I know so much, like I have a lot of information about what's going on, but 
a lot of times I just can't do anything about it. I just have to be there like, oh, it's I know something, awesome. but right. I can't act on it. I just have to like watch, tell the world that that it's there. That part of it was like, man, I feel like there could, I could be doing more. Right. So I made the jump over here at first, you know, I came out of college. I didn't have any sort of like certification. So I came in and I was kind of like the office assistant, essentially, you know, yeah. just getting the lay of the land. Um, you know, here at First Hour Management, we represent UFC fighters, now influencers, you know, anything, you name it. Right. So so it's it's a sports and entertainment representation okay. uh, company. Um, but we're, we're very big in the UFC and also in the NFL side. Uh, so when I came in, you know, when you're not a certified agent, there's only so much you can do. You can't yeah. really, you can't go out and recruit players. And at that time, at least, you know, the NIL stuff wasn't, uh, wasn't right. a thing yet. Um, so you had to be a certified agent. Really, all I could do was like marketing for players, uh, you know, talking to companies to try to get them, you know, deals, appearances, signing, stuff like that. And then just kind of doing the ins and outs of what you would imagine an agent does outside of the contract stuff. That's what I was doing at first. And then I ended up taking the NFL PA agent exam. I went out, took the test, passed year one. And then this is my fourth year as a certified NFL, NFL PA certified contract advisor. So, you know, that's the official term for an, an agent. And yeah, so since last year, my title year has been the director of the football division. And that's I pretty much have to deal with every player on the roster. It's not just like I have a I have a few guys that are the guys that I deal with day to day, but a lot of housekeeping stuff I deal with for players across the roster. So it, it's there's a misconception that this uh, business is just you know you're you're in Hollywood and you get to be in the interviews and stuff like yeah, that. I'm in the office. I'm in the office every yeah. like Monday through Friday, traveling on weekends a lot of times. You know, listen, the games are Saturdays and Sundays, and that's we got to be there for for right. you know, a lot of these things. So um, that's that's pretty much what I've been up to the last four years here. Um, just working as an agent. I represent uh, Titus Howard with the Texans, Jordan Elliott uh, with the Browns, who was a third round pick, a defensive tackle. Um, and he's been, you know, really good player from the last couple of years. Robert Jones with the Dolphins, who was an undrafted free agent last year and he uh he was active all year for the Dolphins at the start of the last game of the year right and then now we'll see we have uh we have a pretty solid class of guys and you know I'm involved in in a handful of them that should be drafted and should be if you know hopefully three four five more guys who are who are in the league uh after this so it's been it's been a, a wild last few yeah. years for sure no, and, and and you're just getting started and you're building it up. So it used to be a lot of rules, right? There had to be distance between players and agents. And then NIL just wiped it out. How how crazy is it right now with, with NIL? You know, what how, and how has it changed your your life at first round management day to day? Um, great question. And it's probably the biggest single change to the business the agent business in the last, you know, 20, 20 years. It's a great thing for the players, you know, that they're now able to, um, you know, benefit from from their own name and right. likeness. Um, but for us, right, it's it's an opportunity to build a business relationship with these kids. The schools did what they could to be like, and when I say schools, it wasn't just compliance. A lot of times it's college coaches. You know, they say, hey, hold this off until the end. You don't need to talk to anybody, sure. which from their perspective, right? It, it makes sense because, um, you know, you don't want your players thinking about 
stuff outside of what's going on in the season. Right. The problem is, right, the, the players a lot of times don't have anyone on their side. It's that it's them, their families, and the coaches. The coaches are, you know, have their own interests at heart as, as well, right? So you're going to tell me a player is supposed to go his whole college career, not really talk to agents. Then at the end of the process, right, you're going to put three, five guys, groups in front of him. And then based on those meetings, which, by the way, all these agencies, right, are, you know, their pitches, look who we represent, look at the contracts we've done, which is all important. You have to know the type of experience of the people you're dealing with and, you know, who they work with and stuff like that. I'm not saying it's not important questions, but the problem becomes a lot of these kids make decisions based off, oh, that, that was a great pitch in this world. Right, right. This NIL now has given us the opportunity to say, hey, listen, you can find out what we're about because we're going to have a chance to deal with you. We're going to have the chance to bring you deals, potential opportunities, right? On top of just the deals, right? We can now have this relationship where it's like, hey, we're allowed to talk to each other. And it's out, not, not only are we allowed to talk to each other, but it's out there and it's known. Right. Right. And they have someone who's in their corner and who's a liaison for them. It's more than just the money the, the these kids are, you know, taken advantage of in a lot of different ways in this process. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times they just need someone to help guide them and navigate them uh, through it. And that's that's where it's been good for us. It's it's a trial run for the for for us and for them. Essentially. Yeah. That was always my biggest issue with people who would argue, but they already get scholarships and a free ride and, and they're getting all these things for free. It's like, but they're 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 taken advantage of so often and then sometimes wind up in trouble. And by the way, if they don't pan out, those people trying to take advantage of them, it's not like they're they're there to pick up the pieces. They're on to the next guy to take advantage of. So mm-hmm. um, what's next for you? Um, and you know what? For for Miami football in general, what do you see coming down the pipeline? Well, for the Canes, man, I mean, this is everything's looking up right now, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's we see what's happening. Uh, just the overall commitment, I, you know, athletically to the school that, uh, you know, Julio Frank, the president of the school, and then Rudy Fernandez and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously bringing in Radakovich as AD. And the, that commitment's been amazing to see. I think the results are they're, they're going to follow. I mean, you see the coaching staff they have. I'm not yeah. worried about talent. I'm not worried about the talent coming in here with with uh, Coach Cristobal's proven track record, right? And then obviously, you know, the the NIL component of the city of Miami. You know, it's it's the a lot of these college towns just don't have the same sort of resources in the town that that, that Miami has. And I'm not just talking from a money perspective. There's a lot of stuff here in the city of Miami that you know guys have at their their fingertips yeah. and that 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 they're able to kind of you know, use that they just don't have, uh, in other places. Um, and then as far as what's next for me, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to like always project these things, but I mean, who knows? I, I would like to, I would like to get back into media in some form or fashion. You know, I, I, I still have just as much info as I, as I always did. I, think. <laughs> I, just, I just have to like, keep it to myself, but yeah, yeah. who knows? I, I, I could see myself kind of blending both, both worlds. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Miami's always been the game changer in college football, especially since the '80s, right? Like, we, like we set a trend, and then things there's either fall out or people follow. Mm-hmm. And with what's going on right now with NIL, there will be changes, and the spotlight will be on Miami. It'll be like the Miami rule change, even though other right. schools have been 
you know, doing their thing. But not to this time. extent, yeah. Yeah, but 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 it's just more visible. Everything's more visible in Miami. So, you know, that, that's going to be interesting. Um, but for you, man, no question that uh, you're going to continue to be successful. Last question, man. I know you like to talk yeah. some junk about basketball. So yeah, I'm, yeah. About, I'm about 12 years older than you, but can you take me one-on-one? That's the question. Oh yeah, no question. About it. <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I and I've gone back into it recently. I used to I used to play like five times a week, like okay. when I was in college. You know, like like you know, most of us. You know, if you like to play, right? But right. I'm uh, I, I feel pretty confident. But honestly, I'm more golf is my thing these days. Like All I'm right. I'm more of a golfer. So. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Me too. That's just natural progression as you get older. So. All right. Well, listen, I'll take you on the golf course then. <laughs> All right, if let's that, do it, man. Let's do it. You know, thank you so much once again. Appreciate it, man. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode.